Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. I've been thinking, where should I put my money with so many options from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props? Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to the Believe in Fins Talk podcast with TD. I am your host, Tony Dow. They asked me, do I believe in Fins Talk? I said, yeah. <laughs> believe in Fins Talk. The Dolphins on a mission and they about to embark. It's tour time, it's tour time. Ready to be on a grind. Miami Dolphins are in their prime, so we about to shine. Uh, believe in Fins Talk. Yeah. Believe in fans talk. TD on the mic trying to tell you what it is. Our team is on our rise. We gonna keep handling biz. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, our team is on the rise and we are going to continue to handle business. That's right. We come into a brand new week getting ready for the Arizona Cardinals, but our record is above 500. Who would have thought that the Miami Dolphins would be above 500 seven games into the season at four and three? Listen to all the haters. Listen to all the sportscasters out there. They said the Miami Dolphins will win one game, two games, maybe none at all. We're already at four, and we haven't even played half of our games yet. I'm so excited, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to break down so much, um, including Tua's first starting game that he ever played. We're going to talk about his performance. Um, we're going to talk about um, Tua going forward. We're also going to talk about the dynamic of the team. We have to talk about this defense. Um, not only that, we have to talk about Chris Greer, Brian Flores, Adam Scheffner's report about the reason Tua actually um, the reason why they decided to actually start Tua, we're going to talk about so much this morning. We even have someone coming off a of suspension that we all may have forgot about. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Tua time, Tua time, Tua time. We've all been waiting to see what Tua would do for so long. And now the time finally came. Here we are, are versus the Los Angeles Rams, which was going to be one of the toughest defense that he's even going to face this entire season. They have a good pass rush with Aaron Darnold leading the way. They got a good secondary. I mean, we're talking about a huge test for Tua Tagovailoa starting this year. Now, we're going to break down his performance, but before I do, we have to talk about what Adam Scheffner dropped on everyone Sunday morning. So I wake up and I get a report from Adam Scheffner. Basically, he had a conversation with um, individuals within the organization. And one of the main factors of the Miami Dolphins starting tool was revealed. Uh, one of those factors being that they have so much draft capital, especially with Houston continuing to lose, that the time was now to start Tua Tungavaloa because it is he is now on the clock, ladies and gentlemen. He either sinks or swim. They need to know what they have now before they go into the 2021 draft and pass up on Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, all of these, all of these high-profile quarterbacks. Now, 
that doesn't mean they don't believe in Tua Tungavaloa because they starting him just to see what he got. This is what it's about. I love the move by the Miami Dolphins and the reasoning, okay? You cannot be fooled in thinking that you have the future based off of college performance, okay? There have been so many great quarterbacks coming out of college that end up being bust. We definitely hope that that's not going to be the case with Tua. But the Miami Dolphins are doing this the right way. They're going they're going out, they're putting him in the game, sink or swim, get, starting him out with a tough opponent, and they're going to evaluate him week by week by week from this point on so that in the offseason they can make a huge determination on whether or not they need to move on from Tua Tungavailoa, move forward with the new quarterback, or keep Tua Tungavailoa and still move forward with the new quarterback. There's so many options that the team has, and I love it right now. But since he's on the clock and from this point on until the rest of the end of the season, he's going to be evaluated heavy. Let's talk about his performance versus the L.A. Rams. Now, before we get into the performance, we have to set the stage first. We have to talk about the circumstance of this game, okay? Now, everyone, there's a lot of people that feel that Tua Tungvaluwa underwhelmed us. He did not show us anything great. It was just like a letdown. Um, I want to put some perspective around that because I honestly think that it's kind of unfair to feel that way. And you may be asking why. I mean, we didn't, we, I mean, he didn't, he averaged four yards per reception. I mean, we didn't connect on any balls past like 10 yards almost, maybe one by Jakeem Grin on the, on the right side. But, but what, what made us feel like he's the future? Well, first off, we have to understand the Miami Dolphins game plan coming in. We ran a manila offense, very vanilla, just very basic offense um, to protect Tua Tungvaluwa, not give him too much to worry about, which is smart from the coaching staff's perspective. Also, what people have to understand in this game is that Tua Tungvaluwa on many plays had six and seven man line of scrimmages. Six and seven man line of scrimmages. There are a lot of formations where we had one receiver to the right, one receiver to the left, pistol formation, seven man offensive line. Now, when you have seven guys on the old line to block, it's going to limit your options in the playbook, in the in, in the opportunities to see guys wide open all over the field. You don't have as many options. But this is something that I feel that was smart by the Dolphins because priority number one in this game was to make sure that you protected your asset in Tua Tungvaloa. You had to protect him. You had to keep him clean by all means necessary. And on this day, he started the game with a sack fumble and caught the ball up. Aaron Donald knocked it out. And as soon as that happened, the coaches made the proper adjustments and took care of him for the rest of the game. So a lot of people, you know, they wanted to say the only reason Tua didn't do well is because Chan Gailey um, had a terrible game uh, where he called plays. Chan Gailey needs to open up the playbook. I hate the play calling. Ladies and gentlemen, the play calling was simply to protect Tua, not give him much to worry about, 
And you're limited in the type of plays you can run when you're in six and seven man protections. You have less routes running. It's more like the Russell Wilson style. I mean, if, if you watch a Seattle game, you got to pay attention to it. There are a lot of occasions where they have six, seven, and even eight man line of scrimmages at time, times, and they run two man routes to make sure that they protect Russ. And I, I just really do love that the Miami Dolphins did that. And also, the kid was 12 of, I mean, what was it, just um, under 60% completion, 12 of 20, um, 22 throwing the ball, or 12 of 20, I have to go look it up again. And people say, you know, oh, well, he was deadly accurate. Now, I want to I wanna be fair here, okay? I, I already made, you know, some reasons why, you know, the performance wasn't overwhelming, it wasn't exciting. But at the same token, Tua made a lot of accurate passes, but... It doesn't tell us much because there were very short passes. It's like two-step drops, get rid of the ball right away. But we can't, I mean, I'm, I'm going to always be honest, guys. We can't ignore the bad throws as well. There were a few misfire throws. There were two times where he overthrew his receiver deep. Didn't even give him a chance because a lot of people like to say, Jaseki dropped the ball on a deep ball, but what about the other two deep balls where the receiver didn't even have a chance? So it goes both ways. You have to be able to drop those in on a dime. One was dropped in on a dime, but it was broken up and Jaseki dropped it. And the other two, he just out threw the receiver. Okay, and that's something he's going to have to work on with the timing. And again, maybe he hasn't had enough timing with the receivers. So I understand that I'm not it's not a big deal that he missed those guys. At the end of the day, the Miami Dolphins got the win. We'll talk about the defense later. So you can expect mistakes and and, and you just look for your young kid to learn from them. Now, moving on, it, there were some passes that I really didn't like because there were times where Tua looked frazzled in the pocket. Like he was nervous the pressure was going to come too soon. He would throw it like he would throw a pass in the flat that was 1,000% guarded. And luckily, and it was overthrown, if, if you know which one I'm talking about. Also, a critical third down situation. Everybody likes to say, hey, Preston, drop the guaranteed third down. You see, that can't happen. But Tua has to also make perfect throws on third down as well. Some of those throws were low where the receiver had to adjust running full speed. It's not easy. And, and I, I have to come to the defense of receivers sometimes because – People run this narrative, if you touch it, you catch it. I, I actually agree with that. But we have to put it into perspective. If you touch it, you catch it. But sometimes if you touch it, that means you're going to have to make a heck of a play to catch it. And sometimes quarterbacks with a receiver running full speed, a quarterback won't lead the pass. They'll throw it behind. They'll throw it low. And a guy going full speed, you can't guarantee that catch. But we still lead, live under the notion you catch it. I mean, you touch it, you catch it. So I like that notion because it's accountability. But it goes two ways. You have to be able to throw the ball out in front of your receivers so that they can get yak, which is yards at the carry, and they can keep running. A lot of those passes were low or behind receivers, and, 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 and some of them were beautiful dimes that were just dropped. Again, when I say dimes, let me put it in a perspective. 
four-yard dimes, six-yard dimes, okay? They weren't down the field. I mean, we didn't really make any plays down the field. Matter of fact, I don't remember Tua throwing more than maybe one pass in the middle of the field. And I don't think he threw any passes in the middle of the field past five to six yards. So this was very a very vanilla offense to protect him. Now, one one critical play where he was actually clean in the pocket, had time to throw, that I was really concerned about was a third and six. He threw it to Jakeem Grant, but he literally threw the ball about five yards behind Jakeem. Jakeem tried to reach back and still couldn't even touch the ball. And that was a critical third down where he was sitting in the middle of the pocket clean. So these are the things that we're talking about. You know, a lot of the other passes were quick, short passes. I love the slant that he um, threw to the left side on a blitz. Um, he read the defense perfectly pre-snap because his biggest concern has always been post-snap reads. But pre-snap, he read the defense perfectly, saw where the blitz would come from, and he hit his hot read there with the slanting receiver. It was a thing of beauty through, through the arms of a defender on the D-line standing right in front of him. I love that throw. Also, the Devontae Parker throw, it was actually thrown behind him, but luckily, what, what people don't realize on that touchdown throw Luckily, it was pass interference because when it was when the when the defender hit Devontae Parker, he actually hit him back towards the ball. Had the defender never hit Devontae Parker, it, it might have been actually too far behind him to actually make the catch. The defender actually hit Devontae backwards so that it just fell right in his chest. And it was a thing of beauty, but it was a strike. It was a bullet. He did put it in a place where only Devontae Parker would be able to make a play on it. Um, so I love that. It was a three, four-yard touchdown throw. Um, but overall in this game, it's really not much to, to judge on his arm. I mean, it's hard to say, oh, you love the accuracy on three, four, five, and six-yard passes the whole game. It's hard to really say, oh, he was so accurate and it was – it's hard to be fair and honest to really go that far. You really didn't get anything out of it because you want to see accurate passes past 10 yards down the field. And I think we only completed one pass the entire game past 10 yards. And that was, again, the – out route to Jakeem Grant. Now, Tua Tagovailoa in the pocket scares me. He just looks undersized, which is okay. That's just like Kyler Murray. But he doesn't move like Kyler Murray. And what had me nervous during watching the game was there were times where he legitimately looked frazzled when he had to stay in the pocket. There were times he really did look frazzled. I also saw times where he could have rolled out of the pocket instead of taking the hit on a throw. And this is after evaluating the film two different times <laughs> after the game. So overall, I, I have to be honest and tell you I'm not impressed, but it's not really his fault. We need to see a game where... He's in another thing. We also have to remember they were playing a great defense. They were playing a great defense. Now, 90 less than a sub 100 yards is not going to get it done in this league. But they were playing a great defense. Read an article today. Um, thank you um, for sending it to me, George. 
it, it talked about Trent Dilfer and Peyton Manning in their Super Bowl wins, in, in Peyton's Super Bowl win with Denver. Both of those quarterbacks just had a terrible day. I mean, they 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 had a tool like day. They had a tool like day, um, and they won the Super Bowl. How did they win the Super Bowl? Because outside of the one fumble that Tua had, they really didn't turn the ball over um, as much to hurt their team. Trent Dilfer had a fumble, but the Ravens um, recovered it. And Peyton Manning had one interception, just like Tua's one fumble. But he didn't throw multiple picks. He didn't have multiple turnovers. And that's what you have to do, especially when you have a great defense. You have to make sure that you don't turn the ball over. Now, that fumble that Tua um, had, tough situation. He stood in the pocket, really wanted to make something happen. Aaron Donald coming on his hot, uh, just coming on his blind, blind side. Well, actually, it's not his blind side. Coming, on, coming straight in. And he got him. You know, those things happen. It happens to every quarterback in the league every other week or so. So it's not a big deal, but he didn't throw any interceptions. But to be fair, we didn't put him in situations where he could throw interceptions. Everything was a quick read, quick pass, and we didn't put him in many situations to risk throwing an interception. That's why I can't wait to play the Cardinals because the Cardinals don't have the same defense that the Rams have. The Cardinals, we should be able to open it up a lot more. They don't have the same pass rush that the Rams have. We, we, we shouldn't need as much help in the pass protection, so we should be able to open up the playbook, and we'll get a great evaluation on how Tua Tungvaluwa opens with the more, more open playbook. That's what I'm looking for. The game against the Cardinals. I look for him to make vast improvements, to make more plays. And, and when I say make vast improvements, honestly, that might even be unfair. Because, again, he doesn't have the sample size to really tell you that he needs to improve. It's like throwing the ball one time and it's incomplete and everybody thinks you're the worst ever. But if you threw it 10 times, you might end up 9 out of 10. So... The Arizona game is going to tell us everything we need to know, I personally believe. But overall, what I do love is after the fumble, he picked his head up, he didn't get down, he went out, he threw that touchdown, and he actually got pumped and excited and his team got excited around him. I'm loving the energy this team has, and especially the element of rallying around Tua. They're making this a beautiful thing to watch, and I'm loving every bit of it. But the real hero on su Sunday, excuse me, was the Miami Dolphins defense. All week long, we had to hear about Aaron Darnold's coming in about to wreck shop. That secondary and that pass rush is about to obliterate the Dolphins. And Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain said early in the week, everybody wants to talk about their defense where maybe they should be worried about ours. But you know, when they heard them say that, it went in one ear and out the other. Why? Because they just don't respect us. And I continue to say, we don't need them to respect us. We don't deserve respect. We have to go out every week and earn respect. What we did to the 49ers is a good start in earning respect, but you still don't get the respect. 
what you did to the Jets is a good step in earning respect, but it's the Jets, so you still don't get it. But what we did to the Rams, we earned the most respect that we could earn so far. Let me say that again. So far. They're starting to recognize. But you got to beware because the doubts are still going to come. I'm already hearing them. Well, you know what? It's probably only because Brian Flores has um, the other coach's number. He did it to him in the Super Bowl as well. Well, golf just didn't seem the same. Well, this. Well, that. That's fine. But they know that our defense is the number one defense in the NFL being scored against now. Everybody's saying it. Now, when we play these Arizona Cardinals, Miami Dolphins defense, you will earn all the respect if you take care of business next Sunday. This defense was everywhere. I got to give the praise where praise is due. Shout out to the coaching staff, Warrior Florida, just everybody. Shout out to them. Because let me tell you something. This is what I've been trying to tell everyone for the longest. A healthy Byron Jones and an Xavier Howard doing what he does changes the element of this defense 1,000%. You, do you all realize that all of this flashy, beautiful, just heavenly vision that we're seeing from the defense didn't happen until Byron got back? Do you know how we looked on defense when Byron got hurt? And people forget it was like the first drive of the first game he got hurt. And do you realize how bad we looked? And when he came back, how amazing we looked? We have the number one scoring defense after being trash the first few weeks. Byron Jones locks his side down. Xavier Howard has played much better football. Now, you know, it was spurts in the game where he got beat, but you can't ask a corner to be perfect. I wish he stopped dropping some of those picks, though. He probably should have 10 by now. <laughs> but when you have those guys locking down and then you have the nickel rotating in and out between Noah and Needham and Perry and, and, and Jones, and you're just rotating guys, keeping them fresh at the nickel. And your linebackers doesn't have to worry about the pass. Oh my gosh. Our defensive coordinator can finally be it, just, just do anything. Do you realize that in this game versus the Rams, the Miami Dolphins would have eight, seven, and eight, seven, and eight guys on the defensive line of scrimmage, and we would almost send them all? Let me explain this to you. So the Rams have five eligible receivers, whether it's the running back, tight ends, or receivers. We would put eight guys on the offensive line. We would have someone guarding the nickel receiver, I mean um, the slot receiver with the nickel. We'd have the outside receivers guarded by Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And the Rams 
tight ends would be guarded by somebody bumping run on the offensive line. We would pass rush, but we would stay with that guy. So if he stayed in the rush, we just we were just a body in front of him. That way they couldn't get any screens off either. And we were so so what happens is when you man to man across the board, eleven on eleven, that's virtually what Miami ran early in that game a lot. Eleven on eleven. Everybody got their man. Five offensive linemen guarding five defensive guys. Three receivers being guarded by three defenders. A tight end being guarded by a defender. Mano we mano in your face. And, and what that leaves is the quarterback versus one unblocked person. So the name of the game is offense. Quarterback golf, you better find whoever wins their battle, but you got to find them quick. Because somebody's coming at you in one and a half seconds unblocked. 11 on 11. Somebody is coming in on you unblocked and they're going to get there in one and a half seconds. So when you hike that ball down, said, hut, one second, throw the ball. That's all you get. And when you bump and run and a play can't even develop, it's nearly impossible to get the ball off when somebody is coming at you unblocked. But you can only do that when you have cover corners that won't get beat off of the first move. Because if they get beat off of the first move, it might even go to the house. And we gave Jared Goff hell yesterday. He couldn't do anything. He only had a second and a half to throw the ball when we had seven and eight guys on a defensive line of scrimmage. Because somebody always came unblocked. He hit that ground so much, sack fumble, threw the ball. Like, like look at the interception by Eric Rowe. He literally had one second. It was so bad, he just floated it up and hoped. And Eric Rowe said, oh, look at that Christmas gift. It's, so, it's not even November. No, 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 it is November 1st. That's, that's what Eric Rowe said. It's November 1st. It's not even Christmas, and you're, you're just handing me a gift. And Eric Rowe picked it all. And we're not even going to talk about the three interceptions that we dropped. We dropped three interceptions. This team is a product of the ripple effect of these two corners. Now, I could get in my Brian Flores mode and say, you know, it's all a team effort, blah, blah, blah. It is. But without those two corners on the outside, without those two corners, we can't do any of what we were doing. You remember when Byron Jones got nicked up with cramps and went out? Then the Rams start moving the ball at ease. Why? Because our defensive coordinator said, let's go in the zone. We can't match up man to man without Byron on the field. Let's go in the zone. We went right in the zone and they were picking us apart, moving down the field, all those trash time points at the end of the game. Byron came back in, we started making it rough on him again. And out of that scheme of putting seven and eight guys on the defensive line and trusting your corners, we're able to get tricky. 
Now they want to run quick routes, slants. That's how Christian Wilkins got his pick. Fake like he was rushing in, backed up four feet and picked it off. We confused them. They didn't know what to do or what they could do. I don't even think they believed they could do anything at one point. None of this happens without the defensive corners that we have. Now our defensive line is picking up sacks. I think Ogba already got six. We're not even halfway through the season and Ogba, I believe, has six sacks. On pace for 13. Can Ogba go to the Pro Bowl? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But you know what? If we make the playoffs and we end up with the number one defense, you might see five, six people on this defense go to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I said it. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard could make it. Ogba could make it. Eric Rowe. Bobby, I mean, it, this defense is so good, the no-name defense, because that's what they really call. I mean, let's be honest. People know who Xavier Howard is, but they don't know who he is. They're like, oh, yeah, y'all got that corner, Xavier, Xavier Howard or something. They, listen, they didn't even know who he was when he made the Pro Bowl. People didn't even know Byron Jones on that level. And they sure don't know not a single one of our defensive pass rushers. Nor linebackers other than Kyle Van Noy because he's a Super Bowl winning champion. This is just like the no-name defense. Recipes Don Shula. We might do something special for you. This defense, it just was a thing of beauty, y'all. Pass rush getting there. It's just, it's amazing to watch. It's a thing of beauty. And the energy that they're playing with. The passion they're playing with. They're coming out telling Tua, don't worry about the fumble. We got you. It's a thing of beauty. I'll be right back after this break. With shoppers buying everything online these days, getting those holiday gifts for family and friends is going to be harder than ever. But no need to worry because our friends at Seattle Shirt Company have got us covered. Jay and the team have an unbelievable selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list. These jerseys are 100% authentic, from current superstars like LeBron James to the all-time legends like Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Walter Payton. Seattle Shirt Company has it all. And right now, for our listeners, we have a special one-time only pre-Black Friday Cyber Monday deal. Everything you buy at seattleshirt.com is 30% off. So head to seattleshirt.com and enter the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V. Once again, B-L-E-A-V. And check out for 30% for your entire order. Shipping is always free. Seattle Shirt Company, helping you get ready for the holidays a little bit early. I'm excited for next week. Because it's a huge test for our team. Now we get another mobile quarterback in the midst. Now we get to see, uh, have we gotten better? Because at least we know now we can commit more to the box. But have we gotten better? Which corner is going to guard which receiver? It's going to be interesting matchup. I'm, I'm, and, and, and now we got to keep our eyes out on it, though, because I think the Arizona Cardinals had a few people who tested positive for COVID. So we still got to keep our eyes on that game to see how it actually turns out, what ends up happening. 
It'll be very interesting. But I do look forward to this defense picking up where they left off because we're going to need them to. But you, you, we're mistaken if we think that we can go to Arizona and do the same thing if the if the offense performs the same. The offense is going to have to help our defense this time. They have to. There's no way around it. They're going to need the help if we're going to win this game. And I can't wait. Quick note real quick. I want to talk about Antonio Callaway. Who? Who is that, TD? Antonio Brown? What do you mean? No, Antonio Callaway. We all may have forgot about Antonio Callaway. He was the fourth round pick for the Browns. He faced the suspension by the NFL, so the Browns cut him, and the Miami Dolphins picked him up. They sus- the Miami Dolphins signed him to the practice squad. And the NFL came down with a three-game suspension. During that time, the NFL, after further investigation, these were, I believe, drug charges or something of that nature. After the investigation, they came back and suspended him an additional four games. So he has just finished his seven-game suspension. He is now eligible, just like Antonio Brown. He's going to be practicing this week on the practice squad. So we got to keep our eyes out on Antonio Callaway. This is a high-speed guy, runs a 4-4-1. Miami brought him in for a reason and took a risk on him for a reason. Could be a guy that emerges and develops into being our future. A part of our future. Very talented. He was drafted in the fourth round. Don't forget that. He's a very talented guy. So I just wanted to report that because that was on my checklist for week seven after week eight to um um to let you know. Actually, it was on my checklist for week seven, but our buy changed. So now it was week eight. So we got to keep an eye on that situation. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Are they going to keep him on the practice squad? Will he be promoted and elevated up? Antonio Callaway runs a 4-4-1. Drafted by the Cleveland Browns in, Browns in the fourth round. Got into a little trouble. They cut him. We picked him up and took a chance. We said we'll wait the suspension and see what he got when he gets back. Now, while he was suspended, he actually played. I forgot the details of it. He played in an alternate league. You know, I forgot which league it was, but he played football. When he played, he actually got hurt. That's something to keep our eyes out for as well. He got hurt like the first practice. And then the whole league in April was shut down anyway, so they disbanded the league. And now he's on Miami's practice squad. So I just wanted to remind you all, because a lot of people may have lost um, Antonio Callaway in translation, forgot all about him. So we'll keep our eyes on that situation as well. All right. Now, I want to switch gears real quick because now I want to talk real quick about the AFC East. Yes. The Miami Dolphins are right in the thick of things to win the AFC East. Now, with the AFC East being what it is, Buffalo is taking a commanding lead. Okay. 
They're six and two, and the Miami Dolphins are four and three. They haven't had their bye yet. So as soon as they have their bye, we'll get an opportunity to catch up by one game. But they have a tougher schedule coming up. Don't forget that. They have a tougher schedule coming up. The next two games that they have, first is the Seattle Seahawks. They play the Seahawks this weekend. Then they have to play the same Cardinals that we're about to play. That's why it's important that we beat the Cardinals. Then they have to play the Chargers, who seem to be getting better and better. Everybody talks about all the losses the Chargers have have piled up, but they forget the fact that the Chargers have lost by a margin of two or three points every game that they lost. And I believe they're up to like three wins now. I believe they just won. They beat the Titans, yeah. So that's not going to be an easy game. Then they have San Francisco, and lucky them, Garoppolo will be out for the rest of the season. Kittle might be out for eight weeks. They already lost both early in the season. Lucky them. But then they have the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have more on the schedule, but we'll stop there. It's a tough trail for them going forward. Tough. They can literally lose four of their next five. But I'm going to say that they're going to lose three of their next five. They're going to lose to Pittsburgh. They're going to lose to Arizona, and they're going to lose to Seattle. And that's going to leave them eight and five. Eight and five with three games remaining. And those three games would be the Denver Broncos, New England Patriots, and the Miami Dolphins playing for the AFC East title. That's what I believe. But over the next five games for the Miami Dolphins, when you look at our schedule and we're four and three right now, again, we just have to take care of business. If we continue to play the way that we've been playing as of late, we'll beat the Cardinals, we'll beat the Chargers, we'll beat the Broncos, we'll beat the Jets, and we'll beat the Bengals. All five. All five. Why not? Why not? That would have us nine and three. But let's 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 let's, let's be fair here. Say we lose one of those games. Just hypothetically say the Cardinals. We'd be eight and four. Eight and four. This is why. I believe that we're going to win this division. We'll be eight and four. They'll be eight and five. And they have to um, have their buy as well. And when it comes down to the end of the season, I feel good about our chances of having to have a head to head matchup to potentially decide it all. I cannot wait. Why? Because this team yesterday gave us all the optimism that we needed. Like when's the last time we've seen a a defense so dominant? You You can go around the NFL and it's been a while since you've seen a dominant performance like that. Yeah, it may have gotten away from us a little bit in the fourth quarter, but we kind of know why. And imagine if our offense was more productive as well. 
And that's what we have to strive to get towards. Our offense playing well and our defense playing well at the same time against great teams. Against great teams. And I can tell you now, that starts right here against the Arizona Cardinals. We have to come out, take care of business in every facet of the game. Man, now I'm just as nervous as I was last week because I was nervous last week. Because the Rams game was like, man, they're a great team. Can we finally get over the hump? It's not likely, but, you know, who knows? Maybe Tua comes out miraculously and just gives us the world and we just ball out. Nobody saw what we saw coming. Nobody saw that coming yesterday. No one. No one expected our offense to be so bad and our defense to be so good. No one. It's almost unreal. Still can't believe it. So I just I just hope that we maintain this level of play. And we have and the reality is we just gotta take care of our own business. Take care of our own business and we'll be just fine. The trade deadline is tomorrow. Everyone's asking, do I think anything's gonna happen? Are the Miami Dolphins gonna make any moves? This, that, that, and this. Uh, I'm going to say no. I don't think the Miami Dolphins will make any moves. I think they'll stay content where they are right now and continue to evaluate the roster, continue to evaluate this team so that they can move forward to next year and make decisions in the offseason with free agency in the draft. I think we like our team right now. It wouldn't be very smart to change anything on the defensive side of the ball unless you want to bring in another nose tackle to help. Offensively, you know, the only moves that you would make are ones that would serve as positives for um, the future, like an expiring contract that the team know that knows that they're going to lose a guy that they can't resign in the offseason. So go ahead and get some type of asset for him now. Those are the type of deals that Miami Dolphins, they'll be looking for. But they're hard to find because everyone's willing to pay the price for that deal. So it's not going to be an easy thing. So like I said, I don't think we'll make any trades. I don't think that we need to make any trades right now. And honestly, I hope we don't. I really do. Right? So that's where I am with that. Last thing I wanted to discuss was the draft. I want to discuss the draft. The Miami Dolphins, we sit in a very beautiful situation when it comes to the draft right now. Saw something earlier today that told us if we drafted now, where we would land. Um, I think the Houston pick right now would be number four overall. Number four overall would be the Houston pick if we were drafting today. Which means we can go get anyone we want because we have another first round pick and then we have an early second round pick, which is 36. 
and another second round pick um, later in the second round. We're just in a good place. We have a good team with good assets. You can ask for it to be any better than that right now. But that Houston pick, man, if that serves to continue going down the path that it's been going. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I'm still shocked. Lucky for Houston, they play the Jaguars this week. But they can literally lose to the Browns. They can lose to the Patriots. They can lose to the Lions. They can lose to the Colts. They can lose to Chicago. They can lose to the Colts again. I mean, they can lose to the Bengals. And they can lose to Tennessee. Will they lose all those games? I don't think so. But we shall see. But I love the move we made with Laramie Tunsil. No one's looking back now saying, why did we do it? Everybody's saying, thank God we did it. The Miami Dolphins are sitting in a beautiful position right now. Now we just got to take advantage of the opportunity. And right now we're going to worry about what's in front of us, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. But I want to jump ahead for a second just to let you know, guys, we can make the playoffs. And if we go to the playoffs with this defense... Anything's possible. And let me tell you another thing. If we make the playoffs off of the back of this defense, Tua, if he gets, if he plays exceptional, we can go further. If he struggles, they can pull him in the playoffs at any time and go with Fitz. We're just in such a good situation where we have options. And I'm loving every bit of it. But at the end of the day, as Dolphin fans, you got to believe. So do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in Finn's talk with TD? Yeah. <laughs> believe in Finn's talk. The Dolphins on a mission and they about to embark. It's tour time. It's tour time. Ready to be on a grind. Miami Dolphins are in their prime. So we about to shine. Uh, believe in Finn's talk. Yeah, believe in fans talk. TD on the mic trying to tell you what it is. Our team is on a rise. We gonna keep handling biz. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.